This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treating ovens available. Find your next oven at evenheat-kiln.com. To the chopper! We're back, back again, episode 80 of Knife Talk. So we've had a two-week break. Um, and it's been nice just to get away from things. But we're back stronger than ever. So it's myself, Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives. And you can find me at Chop Knives on Instagram. And we've got our regular hosts, Jeff Fader of Fader Knives. And he's Fader Knives on Instagram. Not one of these fake accounts that are out there. And we've also got Moreco <laughs> Momassi of Momassi Fire Arts. And again, he's Momassi Fire Arts on Instagram. So make sure you follow us, Follow all three of us. So what... Boom. What we've been up to, it feels like we've been away for months. Absolutely months. It definitely does. I just got to say, I'm I'm sure the the listeners probably feel the same way too. I wonder if some of them are going into withdrawals. Maybe not. Some of the messages we've had, some messages we've had, some people are like, what's happening? They missed our post where we said we're having a little break and they thought we just finished. But no, we just needed some time just to um, have a little break with our families because this thing takes so so much of our time during the week, the planning and getting questions from you guys and so on. So we just need a little break, a little bit of a summer break, um, and it's been great. So I've totally had a break. So I had um, a complete week off. We had friends and family coming over to stay with us, and we did the whole vacation thing. So, you know, we went went to the beach. We ate out every night, drunk too much, uh, wakeboarding, trip to the zoo, all these things. You know, a proper sort of vacation. That was the first week. And the second week, we've come over to the UK, and it's been a bit of both. So a bit of work, meeting with restaurants and delivering knives, and then, you know, again, just eating too much and spending, spending time with family. So it really does feel like a, a proper holiday. So I'm refreshed and ready to get back into the studio Monday and just yeah blitz things blitz things. What, wow! What about, did did what? I did I see that you were slapping your nephew with a fish <laughs> at one point? Yes, yes. Yeah, so we rented this. What's that about? My brother yeah, came over with his, with his family and we rented this like fishing lodge kind of thing. Um, and we're all very uh, competitive, you know. So when it comes to fishing, it's like whoever gets the most fish <laughs> is the winner. Whoever doesn't, what are we going to do? And one of the kids said, you slap him across the face with the biggest fish that we catch. And it just so happened that my sort of 12-year-old nephew didn't catch any. So he had to pay the consequences. So, um, oh my God. It, it was good fun. It was good fun. 
That is the weirdest thing I've ever heard of in terms of fishing. I've never in my life. <laughs> I think it's going to become a, a family tradition, I think. If you don't catch a fish, you're slapped across the face with a fish. I think that's the way to go. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. I've heard you don't, you're not allowed to eat until you catch a fish. Ah. But I've never heard of punishments for not catching fish. It's kind of... <laughs> Intense. That's an intense way to fish. Oh yes. So, so what have you been doing, Jeff? Apart from your moonlighting as a an, an event caterer, what have you been up to? Oh my. Ugh. I. I. Well, it's been you know work as usual, and then a friend of mine, uh, Nico Tavernisi, he's the set photographer for all these movies, like John Wick. He just did the set photography for the Joker movie. Wow. And the and 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 uh, all these Steven Spielberg Spielberg movies. He, he's on the Steven Spielberg movie now, uh, the remake of the West Side Story from Disney. Nice. And he sent me a message, and he said, "I'm going to have uh, a Labor Day." Uh, party for the cast. Do you, would you mind cooking paella for the cast? I said, yeah, sure. So I went. I went over his house, and he had some of the cast for the, uh, the 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 West Side Story. There, a lot of them are in the New York City Ballet, and they were very interesting people and very nice. And so I made it for them. But then a friend of mine's a, a restaurant guy, and he's been talking to me about doing uh, more paella. So I'm actually doing two events with him. One at his restaurant in two weeks. I got. I must be out of my fucking mind. And then I'm doing actually an Oktoberfest with we're an Oktoberfest in Croton, and we're going to be doing that. It's October fifth, and I'm going to be doing paella for I don't know hundreds or thousands. I don't know. It's, I I really must have my mind. I I must have my. I gotta have like a, my head checked or something. So that's knives. Knives are oh. done now. No more knives. It's dedicating you well, to paella. That's a joke. It's like it's like what am I what am I doing? My wife's just like, what are you doing? And I'm like, wow. I mean, you know. So I've always, you know, I it, it would be fun to you know cook at a restaurant once, and then all of a sudden he's like, well, what, what about this Oktoberfest? I'm like, ah, what are you gonna do? So then, and yeah, it's just been crazy. And I'm getting ready. I'm gonna go down to Florida to to do a blacksmithing clinic over at Doghouse Forge, and I got oh, something nice. going on with Jimmy Duresta coming up, and it's just. It's just kind of mayhem. And then, you know, other, you know, life, school started, daughter went to high school, I had to cook, I just cooked for the swim team, 24 kids, for the first meet, it's just like, I'm really, I think I need my head examined. All these extra things, yeah. Oh, extra is the right word, extra. Super extra. Who cares? (laughs) You sleep when you're dead. That's right, that's right, you sleep when you're dead, you take it, don't. I got the hundred percent. Nice one, <laughs> Morocco. What have you been up to? Uh, well, actually, so our last episode that aired dropped on August nineteenth, just a couple days before my birthday, and that very day, I moved my shop again. Again, which was so wow. fun. Um, well, so where I was at, um, it was just like kind of a landing place, so I could, um have somewhere to land when i got back to olympia mm. and uh, i really appreciate appreciate louise pina for giving me a spot to land uh, but ultimately the long-term plan was to get a hold of a shop space and we got a hold of a space and uh now uh we'll probably be here at this new spot for at least a couple of years um so is it yeah. just yourself here Locked now or in. is it shared space again it's no it's just well i mean Technically, it's a shared space, but it's all they're all isolated. So, um, 
so I have my own workspace. Uh, it's it's only 600 square feet, which is plenty for what I got going on. I have a pretty simple operation. Uh, what I'm really excited about that I've been missing is an isolated grinding room. Oh, oh my God. What dreams are made the of. Grinding, yeah, the grinding. Yeah, the grinding. I know. The grinding area is isolated, so the dust isn't getting all over everything. I got a really great blower that actually used to be my wife's grandfather's from his woodworking shop um and it it freaking moves air so nicely and so every the shop is incredibly clean and um that's something that's been missing since you know since before i when i was working on my own at dragon's breath you know the grinders were all open to everything else and at louise's shop there was a room but it wasn't wasn't uh circulating air very well and so so both for my own personal health and as well as keeping things just kind of generally cleaner, mm. uh, you know, there's still some some dust, but it's a huge difference. It makes such a huge difference. So I've been spending the last couple of weeks of our break kind of trying to still get work done and reorganize and put things together. I had to do some sheetrock and finishing work and and do some um, stuff to get this shop space set up and some electrical stuff as well. But it's set up. So now. I can really do some work. Yes. And do you think you'll be more productive that you're on your own? Yeah, that's, you know, I've, that's what I've been trying to contemplate. I think, I think, I think, uh, I think I'll probably be about the same. Um, you know, I thought being in a shop. So I started out by working next to another blacksmith Mm -hmm. and I was pretty productive then. And so then I went to be on my own and I was pretty productive for a while. And then, um, and then I started doing more Instagram and social media and as not only making content for that, but also just being a dummy and getting sucked into it. It's so easy. Like the way it's designed, it is so easy to get sucked into it. And I was like, man, if I was around other people, I I wouldn't be able to sit around with my thumb up my ass like this all the time. I'd have, I'd feel like a sense of responsibility or accountability to get work done. Even though I work for myself, when you're working in a shared space, you know, it's hard to do that. And, and then I went to dragon's breath and I did that a little better, but I also ended up talking to them a lot. (laughs) So, so I think, and then uh, working with Louise was kind of the same situation. Did, Did a lot of talking. Um, and so I think it'll be better to be, um, back on my own where I'm just focused on trying to be better focused on just doing the content and making knives and be more disciplined about not fucking off on Instagram. Um, because like I said, it's easy to get sucked into it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Jesus. Who are you with Jeff? You got anybody in with you now? Any replacement calls yet? I have a young guy who actually listens to the podcast. It was Alex, and he comes in once a week, and he's been helping me a little bit. I got a, I got reached out by uh, another guy in New York who's interested in coming up, and every so often I'll get a phone call from someone, and you know we'll figure something. Not a phone call, email. We'll figure mm-hmm. something out. But I got this guy Alex. He's doing great. He's helping me on the, on some stuff, and he's been really good. I haven't heard anything from Carl. He's in school right now, and. You know, I, it would be good to have some people here. This is the, my biggest. You sound, you biggest sound a little fr- heartbroken, then, as if like an ex has left you, and you, you did sound you're not a little no. from a, a loved <laughs> one. No, Un- unrequited fuck those, knife fuck making. Those, 
Oh, fuck those kids. I don't even feel. I don't care. I don't care. Get it. I, don't, I like don't Carl. Carl was great, but he, you know. But he broke your heart. Had, yeah, no one broke me. Get out of here. You're crazy. You listen it's to crazy. old Phil Collins songs in, 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 the, in yeah, the shop that's now. Right. Yeah. Wiping in the tears your eyes. Away. In your eyes. What is that? Uh, was that uh, Peter Gabriel? Peter Gabriel. There yeah. you go. No, that you know what I, I I feel like I I get a better understanding of how to do things when I'm able to teach them. But other than that, it's like you know, it sucks. the The labor whole the whole labor thing kind of sucks, and and it's because it's you know it's very expensive to do, and it's just like that's the that's the hole in our game. It's just like you know figuring out the you know pricing and then having someone come in. And the, the real problem is always you know people think what what people think what we're doing is well we all say you know i make those jokes uh lightning bolts and high fives everyone thinks it's like thor all the time where like there's like you know it's all, <laughs> all we're doing is standing in front of anvil and it's all like swashbuckling and stuff but it's like i really try to see this more like a metal shop and like we're doing you know when you're making railings you're not just it's not just all excitement it's like little things and just sections and stages and these these kids come in thinking that it's like you know you know, this is like this, you know, like some sort of, you know, high tech thing, but it, I, I make them do something and it's like, it sucks. And then they all of a sudden, they, you know, they, they, they decide they don't want to come anymore. So that's the problem. <laughs> but I like not having anybody here. It makes me, it makes me more focused. Um, but I know exactly what you mean, Mareko. You get stuck in with like uh, the, all the Instagram stuff and it's like, you wouldn't want to, what the hell's going on? Yeah, it can no. be difficult. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's annoying. The the last I said the last week I've been in the UK, but I've been um, as well as just spending time, you know, relaxing in the restaurant. I've, I've I've had the odd day of visiting restaurants, so I've been listening to lots and lots of podcasts whilst I've been out and about up and down the country on trains and so on. Um, and I heard something yesterday, and I thought I've got to remember this for the show. So they were saying about doing what you ever, you know. This whole thing of doing what you love, it's very hot at the moment and everybody wants to be doing what they love and, you know, we're quite fortunate that we do. Um, But they say, as soon as you start getting paid for doing what you love, you start to resent it. And it got me thinking, I was thinking, is is that the case? And there's this whole thing in this podcast, they had these, they did an experiment with a bunch of kids and they're a bunch of like nine, ten year olds. They gave them a crayon, a bit of paper, and they all said, "Um, just draw us a picture. And they took half of them and they said, draw us a picture and we're going to pay you money for the for the picture. So you know, they all happily drew their pictures, but both sides. Then they went back next week and they said to all the kids again, will you draw us a picture? And the ones that didn't get paid were more than happy to draw another picture. The ones who had got paid really weren't motivated to draw another picture. <laughs> and these were just kids. It. And it got me thinking yeah. about, yeah. you know, about... Um, the way I the way I work is generally I'm taking a deposit, you know, a fifty percent deposit. Then I'll do the work. Then when that's done, there's the reward at the end of you know taking the rest of the payment. But it got me thinking: Would I be doing this if it weren't for the money? And you know, obviously we all need to work. We all need money to live and all the rest of it. Um, but I was thinking I'd still be doing this, you know, if even if the money wasn't part of it. Um, but whether I'd be doing it for a job, I don't know. But it really got me thinking how, you know, attitudes change about doing what you love as soon as you start getting paid for it. Now, I'm wondering... That's with, fascinating. Yeah, I was wondering with you two, have you, have you felt the same in any way? So, I, I know, certainly with Jeff, you, you've always done this, this kind of work anyway, haven't you, with blacksmithing before? But, Mareko, you've come from a different industry. Have you felt that as well? Um, 
I, th- I think the only kind of resentment I feel is kind of towards myself in a way that I haven't um, kind of created enough space or enough time for myself or built in enough time before so that I can have my own time to experiment and do uh, kind of my own kind of creative expression through my work. Mm-hmm. Um, it has become very much like a daily grind coming in and working on projects. And some of them are experimental and I'm always learning, um, but I'm doing work for other people and not much for myself. And so I think if I were to start all over again, um, I, one thing I would definitely try to do is to build in more, more thoughtfully build in time for myself to, to just feel like I, I have a, a I mean, I could, I could do knife stuff. I maybe I maybe I'd go do some leather work. Maybe I'd go fishing for a week. I don't know what mm. the fuck I'd do, but just building time for myself so I'm not feeling so run down by um, everything. Um, because this is basically this is all I got. Like I got, I have no formal education to fall back on. Uh, I have. I have no other professional experience except for fucking washing dishes and sweeping floors. So if this doesn't work, like I'm in a tough spot. Mm. And, um, and so I gotta, you know, I, I, I gotta make this work and, and but yeah, I, I don't know where I was going with that, but I think ultimately, yeah, I think I would try to, I, I wish I remember where I was going with that. I, <laughs> I would definitely try to make sure I, I, I built in time for myself because it's- yeah. It's the idea of resentment of like because you're getting paid for it and it becomes your job. It, the idea is that maybe it's no longer your passion. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's it's. So and, and you, I guess that's where I was going with that. Yeah, is that it's definitely my passion. It's what I love, and even if I wasn't getting paid for it, if if somehow I lived in a world where I could just do whatever I want and still have, uh, you know, all you know, all the bills covered, or you know, being able to eat and have a place to you know cover, sleep at night, and I, I would definitely still be doing this because this this is really all I've ever been great at. I, I've been good at a lot of different things, but this is the one thing I've this is the only thing I've been great at. Mm. Nice. Hmm. Okay, what about you then, Jeff? I know you've you've sort I, of been in a blacksmithing world sort of most of your career anyway. But but well, you- I, I get this I get the satisfaction. I, I I like this question a lot because it is this concept of is this your passion or is, you know and for me it's like and once you get paid is that like all of a sudden it's no longer your passion because you're on the clock. I do get satisfaction from having an idea and seeing it through. So uh, whether it's making railings or you know making whatever, I I do enjoy the satisfaction of seeing something, envisioning it, and, and um, seeing it through to the point where if you pay me for it, that's great. Um, would I, if I wasn't getting paid, what would I do? Um, I don't know. I mean, like, I want, I think I, I still would. I might not make knives. I might not, if I had, like, a day off, I don't, I, I don't know. It's a good question. You'd be I, making I don't, I don't, for the stars. <laughs> Well, you know, that's another I, that's thing. That's a new dancing show. That's another thing. It's like, you know, it's it, but it, in my, as far as I'm concerned, I've always felt like, you know, all of it's the same. All the cooking and all the, the making stuff is all the same. It's taking ingredients and proper technique and giving it to someone. I've never really seen a difference in regards to that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a little bit more of a, one's a little bit more permanent than others, but it, to me, it's the same, it's the same uh, mindset of, you know, cooking and building things are the same. 
I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know what I would do if I had time off, you know, um, or, or if what would be my passion? What would, what is my passion that I'm not getting paid? I, I just like being busy. I, I have a real problem, you know, and it's not just like busy work. It's like, I like to be, I like to have focused, um, goal oriented things. So I don't know. It's a good question. Really good. This is KTP News, brought to you by us. Uh, that was a really great <laughs> intro. <laughs> I'm, still re- I'm still reporting from uh, the basement. I, I imagine Jeff is lu- luxuriously laying back in the driver's seat of his Jeep, and yeah. and Craig is somewhere in the UK. So we got news we want to share with you guys. I think Jeff's going to, Jeff or Craig, one of you guys is going to kick it off with this Maker Camp news. I think yeah. Jeff probably knows the most about it. Let's hear it. Well, you know, uh, last year the Modern Forge guys and I did uh, Maker Maker Fair, which was in uh, Queens, New York, and we won seven uh, blue ribbons. And we were the undis- that's right, undisputed <laughs> champions, and we were all fired up to come back again. And we found out that they went out of business. Maker <laughs> Maker Magazine. I don't know what the fuck happened, but it was like it was like. You know, we we we, ret- we I guess we uh, retired from uh, our championship uh, with a seven blue ribbon. Ah, look, what can you do? So, uh, Jimmy Duresto, which is who obviously most of the people who are listening to this know, he doesn't live too far from us, and he is involved with this young man who uh, has a like a can a, a wait, cabin wait, wait. and camp. When you say facility. involved with this young man, I, you probably need to put the record straight there. What you mean when he's involved with well, this young yeah, man? Just because. Just because you just because you think it's sorted doesn't mean everybody does. <laughs> so he there's a there's this place called Blackthorn Camp and it's not too far from Jimmy and it, this young man is taking over from his family. It's a family place. They do camping cabins. It's it's a very scenic area near uh, in near East Durham, New York. They uh, they wanted to do like a Maker Fair kind of thing there and he got involved with Jimmy and Jimmy kind of helped put it together and they're uh, October 11th to the 14th we're having um, it's going to be a maker it's going to be like a small maker fair but a maker camp and if you follow the maker camp on Instagram you'll see that you know uh, uh, me and the modern forge guys are going to be there Alan Durkin's going to be there going to be other blacksmiths there um, Chris Cash will be there uh, Jimmy will be there and all of Jimmy's guys Brett and all those guys and and there's going to be woodworkers and there's going to be all sorts of kind of you're going to see more kind of maker stuff now oh, i don't nice. think there's going to be any like uh like electronic stuff but it's going to be we're going to be doing blacksmithing and it's going to be uh columbus day weekend october 11th to the 14th and it'll be a lot of fun so if you go to maker camp the maker camp on instagram you can kind of register to go and they they have actually they have campsites you can stay there for the weekend or i guess they have like rooms i guess as well and you can that's in? it yeah uh i'm on you know the funny thing is we got, jimmy got uh chris cash of uh mount underscore philip underscore metal underscore works 
to be the like the he's like the he's like the blacksmith wrangler i guess so he's like representing all the blacksmiths so he's got i think he got us a cabin so the funny thing is is like chris is the best but i think they got a cabin for all the blacksmiths which is just like eh, i'm gonna share a cabin with all those motherfuckers i don't know that might, might be a little bit on the dicey side but we'll see We've seen that scene in Blazing Saddles, they're all sitting around and they've all had, they've had the beans. Oh, yeah, the, the bean, and I'm going to cook a paella for all those guys, too, so there's going to be yeah. some, uh, it'll be fun. So Cliff will be there, and John, and Jesse, and Carrie, and, and uh, Damascus Dave will be there. And We actually uh, spent some time at John's, and we knocked out some bottle openers and things to, to sell there, and we're, it'll be a fun little time. Yeah, you know, I did hear so. about this on the, on the Blacksmith's pub, pub podcast, which you were on. And we yeah. we were listening to it whilst we were driving to the UK from France. My wife was listening. She was like, is this just a big advert for Knife Talk? Because every time Jeff opens his mouth, he says, yeah. And on our show, we... <laughs> It was brilliant. Uh, hey, I, I, wasn't I some, wasn't that isn't that the isn't that the idea? I mean, what do That's I got to deal? What That's I, the deal. I mean, listen, listen. I, I mean, I go on these things, and we're gonna I'm gonna bring in you two with me. So you know, I've got to. But I mean, you know, it was a lot of fun being on with Jesse and Je- and Rick, and we futzed around. And it was a good Rick show. Is, uh, it was a good show. Rick is forgetting everything. It was actually pretty funny, and uh, you know, we had a good time. But yeah, of course. I'm, you know, I'm saluting you in my Jeep right now. It's knife talk or nothing, you know? <laughs> For those who haven't Hopefully listened, go and listen hand. to the Blacksmith's Pub Pop podcast with Jeff. It's a really good episode. Oh, uh, well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I keep seeing Jimmy DiResto posting stuff. Uh, he keeps posting that. he. It looks like he's up at Maker Camp, but maybe he's just like at his own shop getting ready for Maker Camp. But well, it's it right like next Cliff door. Was... I think right. that they're, oh, they're right, right next they're door. Both... And I see. Um, so he's probably doing setup there. But it looked yeah. like Cliff was up there the other day. Yeah. Well, this weekend, this weekend, Cliff and John and Zach Herberholtz are teaching a, a, a ZH fabrications and Sunset Forge and Jay and Cliff CJ Dufton. They're teaching a tool making of tool making class at Jimmy's. So actually, just about an hour ago, uh, make everything. Uh, Chris Epp and and Paul Pinto stopped by the shop, and I gave him some stuff to bring up to them. So I mm. brought him. I gave him a piece of the Tappan Zee bridge I got for them to fool around with. So oh, yeah. yeah, there's all sorts of all these nice. YouTubers and these makers are all getting up to Jimmy's, and he's Jimmy's a super. I, I met Jimmy one time, and he's just a super nice guy. So he's been on the show. Yeah, too. they're trying to figure something out. I know he has. Actually, it's funny you mentioned that because when I first met him, I told him that I was one of the one of the hosts of Knife Talk. He's like, yeah, I was on that show. And I was like, yeah, you were. And he's like, boy, those knife makers sure were mad at me for being on that show. He's like, I haven't made a knife one time. And it was actually very funny. Uh, he's like, boy, <laughs> did I get a lot of problems. So, really? good dude. He's walking around. He seems hey, like a nice guy. Super nice guy. Walks around with a stencil and a can of spray paint and puts his name all over the goddamn place. Everywhere. I mean, like, we're talking to him and then he's, like, putting his stencil down on the curb or the side. What are you doing? I'm having a conversation with you and you're spraying your goddamn name on the street. Yeah, he's a good dude. Really good dude. So, there you are. I even saw Duresta stickers at Blade Show. Like, on the back of parking signs and stuff like that. Yeah, he's he's a pretty... He's a pre, he's pretty genius with, the, with all of it, getting his name out there, so... He's if he doesn't give you stickers, he's gonna spray paint you with a with a with a stencil. Don't stand still too close to him. Yeah, yeah don't fuck. Yeah, watch it. Whatever he's got, he's got something to put on you. <laughs> All right. Well, the or? next. 
Yeah, yeah. So the next thing I would like to share is, uh, so last episode we were talking about how I was doing a birthday giveaway for uh, a Combat Abrasives starter kit. And I just want to give a shout out to Infinite Tradesman Knives. Uh, He's actually a maker here in Washington State. He's up in Oak Harbor, which is about two hours from me. And um, it looks like he's kind of a newer maker. Uh, um, I think he's still active military is what it looks like. And so I just wanted to thank him for his service and also thank him for uh, his support in entering the drawing as well as everybody else. Um, So there's that. And then one last thing I want to mention is this new uh, social media platform called TikTok. Have you guys heard of TikTok? Yes. I've heard of it, but I, I I don't know much about it. Not at all. Jeff, you don't sound too proud. Of I knowing just the that ads, you know the it. ads I've seen of it. I get the ads, and it's always somebody dressed up like like a sexy vampire or anime character. Oh, and then I'm in there. I'm in. Where do I sign up? <laughs> there he goes. That's all he needs. Yeah, it's all like everyone's bag. in like Halloween costumes, and then they're singing sections of songs like highly acted. It just that's all i that's all i know about it my daughter my daughter says her friends do it sure so it started as an app called musically and that was acquired by a different company or they rebranded and became tiktok um and it's and it what it did start as a kind of a lip-syncing app where basically people would make funny videos of themselves lip-syncing to songs um which was kind of a playoff of Dub Smash, which I'm not sure if you were familiar with that one, but that was another like audio sampling. But mostly from a lot of like movies and TV shows, people would reenact hmm. scenes from shows. Um, and but what's interesting? It, it's it's an interesting app in the way that you can use it as a utility and 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 to create content and they have really cool tools and then you can easily share it over on instagram i did this silly ass post the other day where i was making my coffee mix and um and you did see that and um and the lyric like we found my wife found this song about coffee and so we listened to it a couple times and then i was doing my coffee mix and pouring it from one container to another and i was singing laugh or lip syncing to it and it was really funny. Uh, I was getting a lot of very positive feedback from people. They thought it was the silliest, stupidest thing they'd seen in a while. Um, but it's it's actually it's an interesting app. It's it's easy one to get sucked into. There's a lot of funny stuff, like a lot of funny people in there doing really hilarious stuff. But mostly right now, what it looks like is that it's just an app designed to make silly ass content. But what's really cool about it is that you can share it wherever you want. So I just wanted to share that and let people know that that app is out there. And if you think you want to play with it and use it, I think it would be useful. So is it all lip syncing stuff or is it now evolved into other stuff? Well, and so it's it's interesting because you don't have to have music. You can just do like a standard video post, um, which usually isn't as interesting. But what's funny is they have this feature on the app where somebody can take your audio and then duplicate you making uh or like so essentially they're doing a an impersonation of of your video and they can either do side by side or they can just use the isolated audio um and then people re like act out other people's com or um kind of like videos uh-huh. and i could see people doing that with jeff for sure <laughs> 
Well, what do you think? Would, do you think I would that, love to see people doing that with Jeff? Uh, trust me, I get it enough. So, what do you do? You think that? Do you honestly? This is interesting because you know there have been a lot of social media apps that have kind of come and gone. Do you think that yeah. this is something that's going to stick around? I mean, I know when I first saw these videos, it was like, like I said, it was like these like girls in their pajamas with like right. you know vampire teeth, and they were like doing like the and like the, yeah. the the Japanese anime like things and and I'm wondering is this going to be like something that's going to stick around and I didn't know when I talked to my daughter my teenage daughter she's like she's like oh my friends do this, this is dumb sure and like they right. make usually they're making fun of the TikTok videos sure well and but I mean what how does it how do, how do you think this is gonna do you think this is something's gonna last right so or? you're basically you're asking like exactly is this worth my time trying to figure out how to use or whatnot um you know I don't know. I, it, it's it's hard to say right now. Uh, it's it's got 500 million active users monthly, so that's not nothing. Um, well, and, so did I think Periscope and you know all those right, things had but, the same thing. So, hmm. But what you're saying about you know oh there's just these young kids on here doing stupid shit. People said the same thing about Facebook. Look where Facebook went. Same people said the same thing about Instagram. I, I'm not, I, I'm not Instagram casting went. aspersions. I'm just interested in seeing what you think. I mean, I, right, right. Well, and I think a lot of people see see the young people, or especially younger. Like right now, I think the the key demographic right now is like 16 to 25 or something like that, which is really young. Um, but most apps start like this, and then they age up, and they become a place where people are spending their time. So, I mean, it's. I've only spent literally maybe 45 minutes in the app um actually using the app and it's it's actually pretty I think it's really smart the way it's designed and how you can use the text and and the the things uh the kind of the different things that you can that make it unique I guess um and I, what I really like about it is that you can very easily and I think it's smart on their part you can use it as a utility and then very easily not only post there on TikTok but also share it over to Instagram stories if you don't want it to live forever on your feed it could just be like a goofy thing you put in your stories mm-hmm. but I think it's it's one of those things that you, it creates an opportunity for you to show uh, more personality to your brand instead of this is a knife. This is a knife. This is a knife. This is a knife. Yeah. It's an opportunity to kind of uh, invite people into that other side of yourself that really, really is the other portion, like the other half of why people buy your stuff is because they connect with you. And, and by doing goofy stuff and, and or, or whatever, you know, maybe it's not goofy, but just sh- showing another side of yourself um, really helps. So, so if you've got a, a recommendation and, and for Mareko to uh, lip sync to, any songs that you like, let us know and we'll get Mareko to do them for you. This sounds good. <laughs> Time for a message from one of our sponsors. Combat abrasives make the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size and at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at combatabrasives.com and get 15% off with the promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now. Listen to Arnie. He knows what he's talking about. <laughs> Fifteen. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, you know the best part about all of the, the guys you get? I can tell that all the impersonators you get are from, like, Europe. He's not, these are not American impersonators. I think, I think this guy's American. I think he is. Jeez. So the next one Jeez. certainly is. The next one certainly is. Are we ready? Oh, are we ready? <laughs> yeah. Hey, man. Can I ask you a question? Wow, who is that? Having a clue. Having a clue. Let me do it. Hey, man, <laughs> can I ask you a question? 
That thing like, almost uh, sounds like Andrew Dice Clay. He does these I, like I was radio jingles, all that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> I like that guy. It's, it sounded like a, maybe a sports radio guy. Yeah, yeah. you know. Oh, oh yeah, sure. Hey right. man, can I ask you a question? Hey man, can I ask you a question? Is where you guys ask us questions. We might have the answer. We might try to figure something out. And uh, usually what we do is in the middle of the week, we'll ask you to submit your DM us your questions. And then we'll, you know, depending on how, you know, how they are, we'll read them off. So the first one comes from MW Blades. And he asks, what's the worst advice you have ever been given in regards to knife making? What's the worst advice you've ever been given? My wife once said, why don't you start a podcast for knife makers? <laughs> that's, that's good. I'm that's joking. That's um, the worst advice. Wow. I don't know. Nothing but good I mean, advice for you. I, uh, people generally don't give me advice. I go seeking advice. So when I'm, you know, when, I, when I'm stuck on something, I'll go to somebody, and they're generally very helpful. So I, I, I generally don't have people just shouting advice to me because I work on my own. I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not in an area full of, full of other people that certainly that I don't understand their language anyway. So maybe they are shouting advice in French. I don't know. But um, there's always that, there's always that, you know, that one guy or a family member who, you know, you're showing them something and they'll say, oh, I've got, I've got a piece of metal you can use for that and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But um, no, not really. I'm not really getting any bad advice. No. I was going to make a joke about being advised to go on Forged and Fire, even though I'd have already, I've already been on it a couple times. But I think, I think actually the worst advice I've ever been given is people telling me or advising me to not share what I share. Mm. I, I actually surprisingly, I get a surprising amount of people telling me that I should not share what I share. Um, and I just, I don't prescribe to that philosophy or that mindset i guess that there that uh you know there's limited information I, th- I think there's there's boundless knowledge and experiences that you can have in this uh craft and there's always something to learn there's always new patterns to make and so so i think that's the worst advice i've had <laughs> yeah well, the I, worst I advice it it's I, you know i look you got to do whatever you you know you got to do what works for you you know I, the worst advice I've ever gotten is it's I've ever gotten is you always usually you'll never this will never work, you know, and, and that's based on you know other people feeling like no matter what I've ever done, it's like oh you can't compete with this or you can't you won't make it with this or that's not going to work, and it's usually because it didn't work for somebody else and they don't want you don't want you to do better than them. So hmm. I hate it. I I think that you know I don't I think crushing people's crushing people's uh um you know dreams and aspirations is always the worst advice and oh yeah i've done that before that's no good or that that won't work or you can't make any money doing that that's always usually the worst advice i always think Hmm. that's super common as well Well, isn't it so many people have that super common yeah everyone yeah everybody knows everything you know it's so stupid well what's interesting about this craft and this trade or at least like you know us making knives the way that we're doing custom knives is that even though it seems like there's a lot of people doing it there there's like basically almost nobody doing it compared to the actual population of like whatever 7.2 billion people in the world so when it comes to i i feel like i've talked about this before but the idea of competition you know 
realistically, there's very few people making these knives, making knives, and there's a huge desire for them. And so I think I think what makes this craft unique is that, you know, if somebody's really interested in it and really wants to dig down deep and make it happen, they can probably make it happen in knife making. They can find their audience and they can, you know, de- define their style and make it happen. And I, I think that advice that, oh, it's not going to work. That's just somebody speaking from their own insecurity, you know? Right. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Like you no, said. For sure. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Drek metal. Uh, Sorry, oh, Morocco, no. it's you. Go on, sorry. <laughs> uh, this we're next rusty. one is from We're Ad- rusty, guys. We're rusty. We're <laughs> you might need to k- k- kick a tire for you. T- yeah. for you. Get some WD-40 on Jesus me. Jesus Christ. Uh, at Drek Metal says, if you are using stabilized wood, do you still have to use a liner or at that, or sorry, or at that point, is it simply aesthetics? Um... Ah, that's a really good, because only recently I learned why we use liners. I thought they were entirely aesthetic. Um, But yeah, I recently learned that, you know, certain woods, they could leach oils out and they could either corrode the blade or, you know, go against your epoxy and loosen loosen things and that kind of thing. Um, So yeah, that's something that I've only just recently learned myself. But I mean, personally, I, I use them for aesthetics. I just like that contrast of a shiny blade, um, a contrast in liner to the wood. Um, but saying that, I mean, most of the designs I have, the liners are actually black. Um, but yeah, I think that's because it contrasts well with that, you know, that silvery polished surface. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah, I think, um, if you're, yeah, it it depends on the, what the, I guess the direction the grain is going. Um, if it's a more linear grain, like a Coco Bolo or something like that. I would say it's probably not necessary, and it would be aesthetic at that point. But I think, especially but the cocoa bowl is very oily, so maybe it is necessary for yeah. a non-aesthetic purpose that way. Sure, yeah. Um, but when it comes to burls, where the grain is kind of going any direction it wants to, um, potentially, you know, and it's because of that, it's it's so delicate. the The liners add, add a bit of strength i guess it's like a brace that you're putting on to the material and then attaching that to the handle mm-hmm. um so it adds strength i think to burl material um and when you're i mean that's always the risk i run when i'm doing a burl handle i'm doing solid block handles but you know the second that thing drops and hits the ground that handle is probably going to be the first thing that goes right um because of that burl and because of the directionality of the grain so if there was a, a smart way to do, or an easier way, I guess, to do some sort of liner in in the handles uh, of a burl, like a solid block handle, um, to kind of create that liner look, uh, I might start doing that. But I just try to I just try to work with woods that I know are going to be solid, and sometimes I actually do a drop test, <laughs> just drop a block of wood on the ground, um, see if it'll stay together. I've had actually, you know, it's interesting you said that because I actually have, you know, cracked a few uh, burls because I didn't really realize that the way the grains are as a scale, that they become much more fragile, almost like, uh, you know, like uh, the veins of uh, marble or something like that. Mm. They, sure. I've cracked a few for that reason. That's a good idea. I'm going to drop some. I'm going to drop some right now. Just for the Yeah. 
I'm going to drop some hammers. All right. Boom. Texas Forge Blades asked, is it worthwhile to become an ABS Mastersmith? I'm a member. I'm a member of the ABS. I'm I'm only I'm a measly apprentice though. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm going to go much farther than that. Me neither. Maybe. I you know what? <laughs> it's I I don't think I am. I want to I'm supporting the ABS as a member in good standing because I believe that it is good as a good thing to have. I I think that when you meet uh guys like Ma- Master Bladesmiths like uh all these guys, I mean they be they have more than just the name master bladesmith i mean the wealth of knowledge that they have is pretty pretty yeah. extraordinary i mean you talk to i i talk i got i've had a few conversations with mike quisenberry and he says the name doesn't mean anything he's but but the information that he has and the amount of time and energy and knowledge that he's gained is it's i mean he's that's what the master part means it's just, he's mastered you know all this information and it's probably an incredible um incredible for him in terms of all the stuff that he's learned but you know what do you think Morocco? yeah i mean i i think sometimes i do wonder if like if it even like i i can understand in the time that that was created that you know you have all these different cr- trades like the electricians and and plumbers unions and stuff like that they have their journeyman and master level uh and apprentice levels and so it makes sense that they would do it that way but nowadays yeah it's it's hard to say you know what does it actually mean to be a master smith um because um and i'm not going to target anybody or disparage anybody directly but it's like you see some 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 work, and I, it looks like somebody busted ass to get their master smith, and then just for the title. So, and then the but the work that they continue to put out, and the idea in the in the uh, ABS is that you know these people who earn this title, they're really gonna they're they are solid representatives of the ABS, um, and I'm sure plenty of them are nice people, but I guess part of me wonders if there should be like continued or like kind of like a continued education, like maybe every 10 years or something like that, you test again. Um, I don't know, but I, I don't well, you, ultimately, I don't, I don't really care. You like, you can't test intention. You can't, you can't, you know, people's intention on why they do things are their own reasons. I mean, you know, and, and I sure. think that, I think that I understand what you're saying. Um, I think that, you know, I like the idea of going through, I like the idea of passing tests and it gives you, you know, some sort of, you know, um, official title that you've gone through this education and you've re- reached all these particular goals that are, you know, accredited from this organization. I think that, that you know, I, I would never, I would never devalue that. Um, is it for right. me? Maybe not. But at the same time, it's, you know, the the master smiths I've talked to, I've t- had a nice conversation with Lynn Ray and Mike McQuisenberry and Josh, um, Josh Smith. I, these are guys who I really look up to and they've really fucking learned how to do some amazing things. And it's, it, it I, I understand. Um, yeah. I think that some people want a, you know, want that accreditation. They want to be able to stencil MS on their knives, you know? And, and I think that, you know, 
I believe that it's a great organization and you can't help what people's intentions to use them are. Sure. You know, other than that. Yeah, I think I think one of the best I actually think it was from Mike Quesenberry. The the best uh perspective I got on it f- was from him and it's that you if you're going to go for it, do it f- don't do it for the title or anybody else's approval. Do it for yourself because what it pushes you to do because your work is going to be scrutinized under the watchful eye of uh, of a group of five to sometimes like nine or something like that uh, master smiths in the testing room it makes you look at your work differently and it makes you scrutinize it that much more yourself and so if if anything it's it's a it's a way of pushing yourself and looking at your work differently to really kind of, you know, push those boundaries and kind of, yeah. I mean, you could say the same thing about going to college or higher education. Yeah, sure. Like, what's the point? You know, like, you're just trying to get, you know, you've gone to this particular school just so you can say, I went to this particular school. And, you know, intentions are intentions. And it's just like, you know, we don't need, I I don't, Kenyon College isn't going to call me up and say, we need you to re- you know, retake the test to make sure that you could really deserve to have our name behind you, you know, but it's sure, you know, people do what they do. Mm-hmm. I think it, you know, look, if it works for you, Texas forged blades, go for it. You know, Spe- it's all too speculative. Some of these questions are very speculative. You know, it's like my life and your life and Mareko's life is it's, it's all our, our, you know, goals are completely different. So. Hmm. Well, that's what's great about it, though. It gives us something to talk about versus yes Thank or no. Thank God, yeah. Thank God. So let, go. Let's come back to some questions in a minute. Let's take some user tips. So we've had some tips off people this week. Oh. Hey, you. You know what you should do? <laughs> I like the hey, you part. Hey, you. That's, it's like a, you, guys are, you guys wouldn't know who this is, but in New York there used to be this guy. Uh, his name was Morton Downey Jr., and he was like the he he came out when Geraldo Rivera came out and in the beginnings of Oprah he was like a New York New Jersey like talk show host and he actually would have you know and he was a loud mouth his his logo was this guy with the big mouth of teeth and he was just such a piece of he was such an asshole but he was like a part of New York this guy sounds just like Morton Downey Jr. Hey you you know what you should do <laughs> there you go there so you let, go. let's take the first tip we've had the first tip from All Blades so O double R Blades. His tip is don't listen to knife talk until you're hand sanding. It gives you a reason to look forward to hand sanding. Wow. Oh. That's a nice one. Yeah, that's a nice one. Very yeah. kind. Very yeah, kind. that's good advice, though. <laughs> All right. The next, you know what? Hey, oh, sorry. Did no, I interrupt go, go you? For it. I was just wondering what the you inter- guys, when you hand sand, do you, do, you, do you change things up in the shop at all? Because, you know, you're not running machinery and so on. Do you, what, what do you do? Yeah, that's the time to listen to something you don't have to listen, you know, you don't have to pay attention too hard. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I, I listen okay. to radio and, you know, blah, blah, Sometimes blah. I'll pull up Netflix. <laughs> you watch? You watch too? Well, I kind of, like, I'll listen, like, what I'll do is uh, comedians in cars getting coffee. And so you don't really have to watch that one. Mm. Uh, it's mostly what they're talking about. But from time to time, I look over. But, you know, just hand sanding. I got the phone set up right next to the my 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 hand sanding, my, my my blade holder. And so it's it's not like I'm like craning my neck all the way back behind me when I look at it. So did you see the new yeah. Dave Chappelle? 
the new Dave Chappelle Holy on Netflix. Shit. Dude, yeah. is so fucking well, funny. I saw man. him. I saw that. I saw him live. Did when? I tell you about that? No. When did you see him live? So, Joe Rogan and Dave Chappelle were coming to Tacoma, which is like 40 minutes north of me. And for some reason, I'm such a dummy. I, I thought they were going to be in town for like two or three days, which didn't sound right to me. But I was like, cool. So I was trying to give him advice on like, oh, there's this really great place that um, a friend of mine is the chef at in Tacoma. And, and these are some other spots that he suggests. And then I was looking at something else. And I realized the next day they're going to be down in Utah. I was like, whoops. Well, I screwed that one up. I was like, well, sorry. I totally misread things. I thought you were going to be around. But uh, anyways, have a good show. Wish you could be there. And uh, Joe messaged me back. And he's like, yeah, you want tickets? And so um, I was like, yeah, sure. (laughs) So I I ended up going with a buddy. And we went and saw the show. And um, it was really good. But yeah, I got to see that all live. You mean you saw the live that they filmed? No, no, no. Because he filmed that one down in Atlanta. Um, no, just because he was like touring after the, after the, right. uh, after that had, uh, started airing or just as it was getting ready to go up on Netflix. But yeah, it's, ba- it's basically, yeah, everything he talked about in that was basically his, everything he talked about on stage. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was very funny. There you go. That's there awesome. Go. Any more tips? Okay. WK Knife asks, or says, he says, if you have a handle of bog oak and it isn't as dark as you wish it could be, take a bucket and fill it with white vinegar, add a handful of metal dust, carbon steel, not stainless, and add some oak shavings, and even better, a knot of oak wood due to the tannin in the oak. Let it soak for a couple of days and then add the bog oak. It will become black overnight. The longer the soak, the deeper the penetration will be. Make sure your handle is close to the actual dimensions because the penetration will be only a few millimeters. Then you can even make the appearance of bog oak, 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 I keep saying oak, bog oak with normal oak. If you use a vacuum chamber, the penetration will be deeper. You can also use this solution to blacken ebony, but the soak needs to be much longer. There you go. Hmm. There you go. Make some deep, dark bog oak. Bog oak. Nice. nice. My concern would be how I wonder how long it takes for that to all dry back out <laughs> after you've soaked it in that vinegar solution. That's a good question right there. That's a good question right there. All of a sudden you got the wet wood. Yeah. That would, I mean that would be my concern cuz you you know you do all that work on that knife, you soak it because he said to get it basically to finish dimension so it penetrates better. That's right. And then and then what? And then you let it sit around for six months so it dries out thoroughly. <laughs> and then it turns into a banana, right? Wouldn't yeah, it turn know. into a... All right, well, WK, you're going to have to get back to us on that one. I'm going to dry it out. Maybe I should have read this one before I... Uh... There, there you go. That's what happens. You know what you should do. <laughs> All right, we got, an, we got another tip from Vashon Knives. He says, here's a tip for drilling the dowel holes when making wah handles. Pick up a pen maker's drill bit. You can get them at uh, 3364s, which which fits a half-inch dowel perfectly, and they're made to drill into end grains, so they cut very clean and cool. Um, Welcome back, guys. Been missing the podcast. 
So he's talking about, so wah handles are uh, kind of a true, I think it's a general term for Japanese style handles. And then inside below that umbrella, there's various styles, but also people commonly refer to the octagonal shaped handle, mm. a wah handle. Um, but I think one of the common construction techniques is basically boring out a half inch hole and then splitting a half inch dowel. And what he's saying is using a 3364 drill. Uh, let's see. It's what is that? Penmaker's drill bit. Hmm. It, it, it fits it like per, probably with only maybe five or ten thousandths slop versus sometimes you can get a little bit more slop um, with a half inch drill bit because either your drill press or what you're using to hold the material or. Or maybe it's oversized slightly or undersized slightly. So, um, yeah, and then you split the dowel and then put all your material together. And then all you have for that top ferrule is basically you drill a hole, a half inch hole up to like maybe an eighth of an inch below the, the top surface. And then you just pop a few holes through and file it so it fits your handle material nicely. And then you just have this dowel indexing everything together really nicely. And you just slap it together with some glue and you call it good. Nice. Nice. That's it. It's another one from LPH. Um, the tip is to get a flexible LED light with a magnetic base. Use it on the grinder and the drill press and the vise. And it takes away a lot of frustration. So it's just like it's just like clamping a light to anywhere you need it to be. Just slap it on, then you're yeah. away. Nice. I think IKEA... I've I've seen some decent ones from IKEA. You can probably find them on Amazon too, but they're just a few bucks. But yeah, they got those magnetic bases. They're pretty sweet. Hmm. Nice. I uh, you know I I still get a lot of people sending me pictures of the um using a I use like a welder's magnet on the side of my dip tank. So I use a metal bucket as my dip tank, and I put the welder's magnet there. And what that does is when you're dipping your metal and all these little fine bits of metal dust, they go straight to the side of the bucket. So it keeps your water clean. So you're not then putting, you know, hmm. more dust onto your belts and so on. But I get lots of people sending me pictures of, the, of, of them doing that, which is quite cool. That is cool. Hmm. That is cool. Here's a weird one. And I, I read this one. And I, let's see what you guys think. Hey, guys, I love having your company in the shed. I have a tip. Now, here's where I don't understand how it. Okay. Let's read it. Use a leather leather thong slash lace covered in polishing rouge to get into the tight corners when finishing a knife. Cheers, Nick. <laughs> what? Where are you doing? Where's this leather thong? Leather and lace thong? Is that for your butt? Is it? Is this underpants? So what is, what is he talking about? So for the Australians, he doesn't mean the thongs that you put on your feet. I think he means uh, what us Brits would call a thong, which is which is underwear, g-strings. So is is that what he's saying? He, <laughs> you, I'll read it again. I'm gonna read it again. In polishing roof. Uh, I'm gonna read it again. I'm gonna read it again, and we'll decide. Use a leather thong slash lace covered. In polishing rouge, rouge to get into the tight corners <laughs> when finishing <laughs> off a knife. So he he wants to get the he tells you to put the polishing rouge to get that thong up into your tight corners. I don't. I, I feel like he's saying leather. He says slash lace, so maybe like a leather shoelace, like for for dress shoes or something like that. So you can probably get into the front side of the handle material where it transitions to the blade, especially. If 
you don't have like a guard or a bolster there. Oh, so a kind shoelace. Of, you can kind of fl- you can floss it uh, with polishing compounds to clean it up in there. I thought he was. I thought he was saying that we should be wearing thongs, leather thongs, when we were finishing off our knives. That sounds like a Freudian slip. Slip to me. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know from leather thongs nor lace. Yeah, I, I so tell really that makes a, that makes a lot more sense. Mareka, you you cleared it up. I think cleared up. You know. There you go. You never know what you're going to get with. You know what you should do. <laughs> that that right. and that goes to show you guys. You got to be real careful how you write these things because I'm just copying and pasting. So if it sounds like it might be, you know, stick a thong up your ass and then put some polishing rouge on just for good measure, I'm going to read it like that. So edit yourself. I'm begging you. All right. This next tip is from Christian uh, Kristen Sestoff. This is my best tip. I hone my kitchen knives on the unglazed bottom of porcelain cups instead of using a sharpening rod. It's basically the same as a, a ceramic honing rod. Uh, so why buy one when a cup works just fine? I worked the trick at a restaurant in Chinatown. You, or I learned, sorry, I learned the trick at a, chi- uh, at a restaurant in Chinatown, New York City. Mm. I will say I have done this, but it is, it is not ideal yeah. honing ceram- rough, especially ceramic pretty rough those porcelain cups it's, it's yeah it's in, it's inconsistent like the finish like the the quality of finish on the bottom of those if you if you can spend 30 dollars on a ceramic honing rod i would just get a ceramic honing rod because damn things last forever and <laughs> like the one i have was handed down to me from bob kramer it's it's like 20 years old now i and it's it's probably never going to go bad. Hmm. It's made by a company called Idahoan. I've dropped a damn thing myself a few times. And the way they construct their, or put the ceramic together, it's pretty... I'm sure you could break it, but I'm not going to do any destruction testing. I just have accidentally dropped it on uh, wooden for- floors and concrete floors. And Bob's told me that he dropped it a couple times himself. Um just get a damn ceramic honing rod. Don't use the bottom of a cup. But if you are in a tough spot and somebody doesn't have one, you know, maybe use the bottom of the dish. I've seen people use the bottom of like a Le Creuset dish or something like that as well, hmm. as well as the cups. But it's not ideal. Have you seen Sorry, Jerry, J- Jerry Fisk did, uh, did it on, he rolled down the halfway of the window of his car and honed on the the glass edge of the window. Have you seen that? Yeah, I've heard of that. I <laughs> that have makes seen sense, that. actually, yeah. That was intense. Mm. That was intense. I was like, oh, God, he's going to break his damn window. Nice. <laughs> but look, we appreciate all the tips we're getting in. Keep sending them in. So we've still got a bunch more. We're going we're gonna to play these out over the next few weeks. But if you've got any really cool tips, send them. But I think it's, we should get back to some more questions, maybe. Hey, man, right. can I ask you a question? So I've got one here from um, Silas.Cole, um, and he asks, do you guys have any funny beginner stories of when you started the trade that you'd care to share? Beginner stories. So I'd imagine he's, he's looking for disaster <laughs> stories, I think. Sure, I got one. Go for it. I, I was just learning. Let's see. I had spent – so I was. this is when I was working for Bob. Um, one of the first big things I learned how to do was the handle sculpting 
for his knives. And before I actually started doing it on any live knives, I did it. I just made up a bunch of blanks out of like two by four just for practice. And I did that for uh, about a month. And then I did mono steel knives for probably another couple months. And so finally, after almost half a year, I was going to do my first Damascus knife. And I totally fucked it up. Hmm. And this is when his knives were, you know, they were like three thousand or five thousand dollars a knife, and I totally messed it up, and we had to scrap it. So there's your funny story. Oh, that's mm. not funny. That's like that's like that was a lot my, of fun. That hurts right, my yeah. tummy. That's how it hurts yeah. my tummy. Hurts, story. It hurt, hurts my teeth a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't got any funny stories, but I've got lots of disasters. You know, trying to make something. Um, rather than just buying it because it worked out a lot cheaper. You know, I remember making my first little uh, forge. I made it this big sort of coffee can forge. And, you know, it sounds cheap, but it ended up costing a fortune. And in the end, I just went out and got one of those little devil forges for like, half the price, and it, and it did the job. And th- that happened time and time again, to, you know, trying to, trying to do something, and, you know, you're just getting the wrong stuff. So, you know, it's the type of stuff that comes with experience. But nothing really funny, no. I had something funny happen last week. I had, uh, and I'm sure that you guys, because you're handy people, I had a guy, a contractor, come into my shop. I hadn't seen him in a year. And he came into my shop and he says, I have this great idea. I need your help. Uh, I was on a job site and this guy had this sawhorse and you and I are going to make these sawhorses. I need you to design it so we can get them manufactured. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm, I'm like, I'm like I what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, you know how to do patents. We're going to do a patent and whatever. I said, oh, I said what are you talking about? He says, I, I think we're going to need to cast the parts. So you're going to have to find out where all of a sudden I'm in this business, you know? So the guy <laughs> said, I was like, wait a second. Yeah, a sawhorse business. So I said to the guy, well, what's the deal with the sawhorse? He's like, oh, you've never seen a sawhorse this nice, and they don't sell it. Nobody, I've looked on the internet, nobody sells this sawhorse. And I said, what's the big deal? And he shows me a picture, and, I, and it says, it says, uh, it says, power, uh, uh, pack horse, sawhorse. And he's like, you're never going to find it. You're never going to find it. We got it. And he's just going on and on, all the things I got to do. And I'm like, I'm like, what the? Jesus. So I was like, listen, I said, listen, if I find it, what do I get? And then he looks at me. And I say, if I find it on the internet, what do I get? And he goes, uh, uh, Yo, you're not going to find it because if you put pack horse in, you're just going to find a bunch of horses with backpacks on. I'm like, no, listen, guy. <laughs> Come on, man. So I took a, I, I punched in a pack horse, saw horse, and it came right up. And he goes, and then all of a sudden he got mad at me. He goes, I see what you did there. You put in sawhorse. That's cheating. I'm like, what the fuck is going? And he started saying, you make me look stupid. And I can't believe you did that. And And I had to like shoo him out because he went from, we're going to go into this business together. We're going to make a PVC sawhorse. And I said, well, what are we going to sell? What are you going to sell a sawhorse for? I don't know, $200. I'm like, you're going you're gonna to sell a sawhorse for $200? It turned into this whole funny thing because it went from all the ranges. He had all the ranges of excitement and happiness to fury. And I found it on the internet that it's still a company. You know, so that it was just like people coming into the shop and they immediately think that, you know, just because you can make something that we're going to be in business together making everything. So at the time well, it was hilarious. my favorite part of the story is he's like I found this great thing you do all the work yeah. and we're gonna split yeah it. and then <laughs> and then you made me look stupid by proving me wrong you know you made me look stupid because you actually put in like you know he thought I was gonna put in pack horses it's gonna be a bunch of horses with knapsacks on but it was like you know 
it was it was just right off the bat. I was like, "What? Get out of my shop!" No, no that's, one's that's nay, when you say nay. Yeah, nay. <laughs> there you go. But it was you, funny. You it was say, funny. You gotta say better now than when we're fifty thousand dollars deep and nobody yeah. buys these fucking things. Oh. Yeah, like what do you think? You think? Well, you, and then he was just like, "Cat, you have to cast them. Cast? No one's casting. I'm gonna get over to do a whole cast. What are you doing? Oh, I'm casting the sawhorse." So I can make more sawhorse. Like, get the fuck out of my shop. Get out of here, you. Yes, you know the funny thing is, and this is some of our listeners are like contractors. A lot of them are are, are are firefighters. Firefighters and contractors are like the best at. I'm not working hard enough. Let's see if I can figure out something else to do. And they do figure out all these side jobs, these little side hustles. Firefighter. My friends who are firefighters are the worst. Like this summer they're going to do landscaping. Next summer they're in a contracting company. It's like they don't have enough work to do that they got to come up with like these get rich quick schemes and the uh, the funniest part about that story is after i depressed him he asked me if i had any work for him <laughs> so it was just like you're coming oh, in we're starting a business i'm like no I'm like uh, can i work for you i'm like get out of here get the fuck out of get the fuck out of here kick him out yeah get out we got another one there from jarrell edward um i've been chafing for <laughs> I have been, been chefing for thirty years. <laughs> He's been He's been I like it better if he was. I like it better if he was chafing. I've been chafing for thirty years. years. I'm not leather. He needs that leather thong and that oh, polishing rouge thong. trick. The polishing rouge and the leather thong. You won't be so chafed. I've been chefing for thirty years, and I'm just starting to make knives as a hobby. I was wondering how knives made from 1080 or 1095 hold up for edge retention compared to some of his favorite steels, like, I've, I've never heard of these, HAP40, <laughs> ZDP189, or Origami Super. Um, and he thinks, thanks for making the best podcast ever. Much appreciated, Eddie. Um, so yeah, he's asking about 1080, 1095, how they hold up their edge retention compared to his favorite uh... steels. I'm sure he's made up. <laughs> Come on, I've man! Never it's heard, only, I've, the, he's the, our listener. <laughs> the only one I've list I've heard of is the it's it's Aogami Super Steel, right? Um, and those are really high carbon. Like I think the idea is that they're they're like a they're almost like a Tamahagane kind of quality steel in a way, um, which are really high carbon steels. Uh, and because they're such high carbon, then they are more, they are harder, they're more wear resistant, they will hold an edge better. 1095, um, I've been playing with 1095 in my uh, Damascus mix lately, and it makes just that bump, that little bump in carbon content makes the steel so much more wear resistant uh, and harder. But also the, the, the trade-off is with that extra hardness, um, you potentially could go into a range of brittleness as well if you don't know what you're doing. So, um, you know, I, I think if you're just getting into this knife making, and I know we've talked about this before, but, you know, I would say just start with something a little bit simpler, maybe, hmm. um, before spending it. Because whatever this other HAP40 and ZDP189, if those are some sort of exotic stainless or something like that, it's not going to be cheap. You know, to work with that stuff, and so um, I don't know. Get your get your feet wet with something a little simpler. Yeah. My advice isn't it really mileage may vary. You know, isn't it? I mean, some of yeah, it's sure. going to be mileage Absolutely. may vary. You know, how you use it. So hmm. how it's go. treated, yeah. how it's treated too. Hmm. Yeah, 
There are definitely a lot of factors. All right, this next one is from Perry Strell. He says, I was wondering if any of you fellas have ever used a stonewashed finish on your work. If so, what grit would you bring it up to before stonewashing? Uh, thanks. You're the shit. <laughs> um, I haven't, but I do like the look of a stonewashed finish. And, and Me it's too. Jer- Jeremy from Simple Little Life does some amazing finishes with this like homemade tumbler that he's made. Um, but I, sure. I wonder how they'd, you know, for a culinary knife... I mean, I don't know whether they'd attract dirt and bits of bits of bits of you know crud and stuff. I don't know. Um, probably not, because it's just a very sort of scratch to the surface. But um, yeah, I, I I I've never done it, but I do like the look of a stonewash knife. I'm under the impression that a lot of guys who do stonewashed finished hit it with the sandblaster before they put it in yeah. the stonewash, mm. which would cut down a lot of hand sanding or a lot of you know so. If you're using a sandblaster, and I'm under the impression that sandblasters are a, a big secret with a lot of even Damascus making, um, but I would think that if you hit it with a sandblaster after you get it to a high finish, then you shove it in that rock tumbler. I love to get a rock tumbler. I love that finish. I think it's great. Yeah. I I th- I think what I've heard before, and I've never done it myself, but it's somewhere around like a 120 or maybe 220 finish because that rock tumbler, I mean, the, that textured finish is kind of on the rougher side. And I think for a culinary knife, like Craig was kind of alluding to, I I think a finer finish is probably going to be more your friend uh, simply because um, kind of the water, especially if it's carbon steel, the water is going to want to bead off, more readily if it's a finer finish than a rock tumbled or a coarser finish where it creates spaces where water or debris can be captured and stay on the surface of your knife and potentially cause rust pitting and other potential issues. Um, Hey, Jeff. Hey, you. You know what you should do? Do you know the, um, (laughs) on your Ricasso area, you you have the scaled area, don't you, where you leave a bit of scale on before it goes into the blade? I think yes. that could look really nice tumbled up, you know, and have it like because it's, it's almost uniform. It's almost like uniform scratches when it's been through a tumbler, isn't it? I think that could look yeah. really nice yeah. on your Ricasso area. So, so you're saying to rock tumble and then hand sand afterwards? Yeah, yeah, oh, or maybe rock that. tumble and uh, then and then uh, grind. Maybe I'm sticking the I'm sticking the rock tumbler and then I'm and then I'm, like, I'm putting the handle on. I don't want to do any. I don't want to. If I use the rock tumbler, it ain't gonna be. It's gonna be for like my convenience. It's yeah. not gonna be like sure. you know. I'm not ready to. But you could add do it an before grinding. Step. Before grinding your bevels, so your bevels are all nice. But then you oh, you you mean yeah you, yeah. I guess you can, that's a good idea. Hmm. But I I'm gonna be I'm gonna be I'm, I'd rather be lazy. I'd rather be lazy and use it at the the final finish. It's not lazy. It's just a finish. But I ain't, yeah, well, that's a good idea. I, I, I know what I should do. That's the answer. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now you got me all fatutsty. So, this one comes from Espergard. How do you make sure... You've learnt your lessons from previous relationships when, before starting a new one. Nice. We're relationship questions. Here we go. So one more time. How do you make sure you've learnt your lessons from previous relationships when starting a new one? Particularly if you start a new one with a much 
without much time for reflection. I'd particularly love to hear what Chop Knives has to say, as in Craig's younger years, he was known as the Casanova of the Valleys. <laughs> this must be a this must be a Hardly. friend of yours. Hardly, I, I never heard of them. Never heard of them. Um, so what, how do you make sure you've learned your lessons from previous relationships? So if you've had bad you? relationships, how do you right. make sure you don't do them again? I don't know. You just move on. Move on. I, well, I will. I, I will I, give you a tip. I will give you a tip. I'm. I'm. I'm forever, and I'm sure everybody does it. Yeah, I can be with my wife, and I'll say, "We've been here before," and she's like, "No, we haven't. We haven't." Or I'll talk about something that's happened in the past, and she's like, "Well, that wasn't with me." So the best tip to say that is always say, <laughs> "Ah, I was there with my mother." <laughs> so I, that's I've a been, good move. I've been some incredible places with my mother. I've been camping with my mother when I was twenty-five. I've been. <laughs> <laughs> amazing holidays always yeah, make it out in a, make it out in the woods with my mother <laughs> but it wasn't me yeah, oh, they, yeah it was my mother and she's quite happy with it. That, basically that means I won't ask any more questions <laughs> that's a good one usually usually my wife will say that's your other your, your other wife or yeah. uh yeah we'll do that how it's, do you, I like this question how do you make sure you've learned your lessons you know the reason why he says that is because usually people are like ah the next one won't realize this this last one realize what a piece of shit I am the next one won't or I have plenty of time for them to realize it so I think the, I think the most important part of the relationships is to, is to kind of see where you are and also not go by everyone we, we react by a script you know, you, you, you go through the script and then you, you behave based on what how people talk to you. Don't go by the script. Don't do what you always do. If I'm, I'm always fucking this up by doing this or I'm always fucking up by doing that, don't go by the, your normal script and try to not have these same uh, strange relationships. Yeah, and if you're going into a new relationship, don't try and hoodwink them. You know, just, just be yourself and, you know, you're not trying to hide anything or be anything you're not. You're just being yourself and then, you know, you are what I you say are. A, little, a little hoodwinking is okay. A little a hoodwinking little. is okay. Just a little. You know? A little bit. <laughs> you don't want them to know how shitty you are right off the bat. Uh, exactly. <laughs> that's the idea. Hey, listen, that's the takeaway. Don't let them know how shitty you are right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect that's your answer wk yeah. knife so we've had some advice earlier and now we've got questions which is what do you guys think of the added value of a hamon on a kitchen knife is it just cosmetic or do you think it really adds a value to the properties of the knife since it's not a katana and he says all the best from the netherlands and keep up the great work so hamons on kitchen knives is there a value to them I I really think there is. I mean, aesthetically speaking, I think some hormones, especially some of the stuff like what Greg Simmons is doing, yeah. um, is just as beautiful as uh, like a a Damascus pattern. Just with because knowing the amount of skill that not only goes into preparing the material to be able to take a, a really nice hormone like that, um, but everything after when it comes to polishing and really pulling that hormone out, I. And also, like, literally, that's unhardened material, which lends toughness to the knife. Now, most chef's knives aren't, especially if it's a chef's knife, aren't hard-use knives. But if it's a Bowie knife, um, having a hormone on a Bowie knife, not only is it aesthetically pleasing, but it adds toughness to that hard-worked knife that is going to be chopping into trees or, you know, doing whatever kind of heavy work that 
bow, big Bowie knives and camp knives do. Um, and so I think, I think they're very valid and actually absolutely do add value to the Hamon because you can get differentially hardened blades all day long, but to get an actually aesthetically pleasing and nice Hamon is incredibly challenging. Well, yeah, he's he's talking about uh, the is it cosmetic versus functional for a kitchen knife. So, I'm not a Hamon guy, but you know, I would think that with a kitchen knife, as you were saying, it's more aesthetically pleasing than it is. You're actually gonna like, you know, they gotta have this Hamon, otherwise they would never have gotten through that watermelon. You know, it's I don't think that I'm not, <laughs> you know, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Uh, I mean, you know. I think it I shows think that the, the the craft of the maker and um, that they know what they're doing. So you've got to assume that the rest of the knife is up to a, a similar standard, maybe. There you go. Right. You go. Well, I think, yeah, just like you were saying, Craig, it is an expression of skill. And if, you know, if you don't want to do hormones, don't do hormones. But it almost sounds like he's trying to debase them in a way. It's like, I don't know, if that's where you're going with this WKK knives, then, you know, just don't do them. But... You don't have to tear down other people for doing them. Uh, yeah. Oh, anyways, uh, this next one's at W Vern Forge. How do you go about lining up the hole for a pin or corby in a handle block when doing a hidden tang construction? I trace out the tang on the side of the block to line up the hole and use a slightly larger hole on the tang um, than uh, sorry on the tang than the size of the pin, but still find a, uh, a perfect lineup to be a bit hit and miss. Do you gents, how do you gents tackle this? I don't. So it I, sounds to me like he's, I've never, oh, I've never done a hidden tongue knife. So I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. I, I might be reading this wrong, Jeff, but it sounds like he's drilling the hole in the tang before drilling it in the handle. Is that I, what it sounds like to you? I mean, I would, ima- I would imagine that's what he's doing. I would imagine that he's doing, that's exactly what I would think, that he's, 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 he's heat treating the knife with a hole in it before he heat treats it. Yeah. And then he's just trying to like, you know, you know, dartboard, dartboard a hole, the, <laughs> you know, to try to make it. Yeah. The pro- the problem with doing that is it you're kind of going in blind and I think when I first started doing hidden tangs I thought that's what I was going to do and I stopped and realized wait I should just cycle the material just the tang material so that I can drill it and then drill it after I've glued up the block and everything that way and you know you trace out where the tang is going to be so that you're actually drilling through the tang but otherwise I drill um, the handle material and the tang all at the same time after the block has been glued on um, so that I know that it lines up perfectly. That's awesome. I, you know, it's funny because I actually saw, we mentioned this a few uh, months ago, but um, Kurt Halland of Freehill Blades was uh, making the holes in his tangs much bigger, and then he was putting in a brass slug. And then when he put the brass slug in, it made it because this was my my fear is always when you drill through the wood and then you touch the steel. If will if it's a really really uh, thin drill bit, will it start to wallow? Will it start to skate around on the steel? And then that what that does is that makes you that makes you kind of wallow out the hole, um, or you know you know to put you put you out a little bit 
And how do you make that tight, tight thing? So what he does is he drills the hole out big. He, he puts a, a brass slug in. So it's then it's flat. And then when you're drilling all the way through, instead of going into the steel, it's just a, I mean, it's harder than the wood. You're going through the soft yeah. brass. So it's not, you know, rolling around in there. Um, but yeah, I love that. It's, uh, I love the idea of gluing it after the fact. Yeah. And I, or drilling it, it after the glue. Drilling, yeah. yeah. So what I've done is just with like a, a little pro hand handheld propane or a map gas torch, you can just bring the tang up. And, um, you know, if you're worried about heat getting up, transferring up into the blade, uh, one thing you can do is, you know, clamp the blade in a vise or something like that to kind of act as a heat sink. Um, but on an integral knife, it's not really that big of an issue. But anyways, you, you run heat back into the tang and just bring it up to a dull red. Um, and basically you're kind of doing a short, uh, uh, thermal cycle, subcritical anneal, like thermal cycle on the, on the tang material. So it's drillable. And especially if it's more, um, I've done it with Damascus. I've done it on 1080 material, 1095 uh 52100 w2 like i've done it on all kinds of steels and it just makes it drillable um but yeah you know getting that drill bit in there especially if it's too narrow is a potential issue of it if it's uh if it's a small drill bit of it kind of walking around and so i make sure i use try to use at least a at least an eighth inch drill bit if not uh you know a three sixteenths inch drill bit to drill that initial hole so that when it's going through, it's not going to do any of that walking around or anything like that. And also if your tang is round, if your tang is rounded, mm. you're probably, it's going to want to walk over the, the side of the, of the tang too. You know, when I was, For when sure. I was doing fabrication, there was this stuff we were using to, to, there was a paste and I've never seen it again, but it was for welders and they would use it to make sure you weren't when you were, you could, you could spray a paste on and it acted as it was like a paste that was a heat sink itself um i was thinking about when you were saying putting it into a vice you could also wrap your wrap you know wrap the steel wrap the knife in like wet towel or something like that or but i started to think about I, i would love to see if i could find this welder's paste that is a like a you you spread it on and it is a heat sink in itself sure that sounds great i was just realizing also like uh, aluminum plates. If you got yeah. aluminum plates for quenching, um, that will also act as a heat sink. I mean, obviously it works as a heat sink, but it's also a little gentler than a vice. And so you wouldn't have to worry as much about it marring the surface of your right. of your knife if you've already gotten it to a higher finish. Um, That's yeah. good. Just, just a thought on that. It's something I've never done. Um, but if you were to mill out a slot in the tang, which is the width of the inner dimension of your Colby, couldn't you then sort of attach your handle um, so that the pin is in that slot and then you could push it right up. So you could push it, you know, right up to the tightness that you want. Then just do it all, you know, tighten it all up and, it, and it's in place. Would that be a which part idea? Is, which part is slotted? The, uh, the tang. So the tang has this slot along, along it, which would be the, right. the width of your inner um, dimension of your Corby bolt. So you could you could put you so you could, you could no that's a silly idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna edit I'm gonna edit this. I'm gonna edit this. No, out. don't edit it, you little <laughs> bastard! You. The hard part is is if you do it, and what Mareko was saying is right. If you do it after you glued it up, 
The best part is, is sometimes if you do it beforehand, you'll lose some of the tightness. Like, and, and all of a sudden when you put it back in, you lose some of the tightness between the tang, the ricasso, and the, the, the front of the, if we're not talking about a, uh, if we're talking about just a hidden tang knife with that, no, just a, a flat hidden tang knife, not a, a integral knife, you will lose some of the, and I've done this, and I've actually had to throw extra spacers in because yeah. you lose, you get, you get too much slop. That, that's what I'm so, talking about with an integral knife where you need to butt it up, you know, perfectly. If you had this slot, you could sort of slide it up, clamp it so it's tight, and then do up your screws. You know, so it's it's, it's sort of it it'll go along that slot. It, it, it the handle will move back and forth a bit, so that way you're not drilling through your wood and your metal at once. Your metal has the slot in. You're only drilling through the wood, so you're not getting this issue of the of the drill bit walking. Um, plus, you can make sure that it's butted right up against the the bolster area. Mm. So you're so then the. So then your your epoxy is filling up the space. Exactly, yeah. And obviously you've got the mechanical, you know, tightness as well, yes, yeah. There you go, there you go. So that's the answer, slot it. Well, just wondering, just wondering. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take the last question from Kyle Keith, which is, I think it's Kyle Keith, really, really, he's playing with us. Any recommendations for parents sending their kids to school for the first time? I'm a, bit, ah. I'm a bit early for this, but Jeff, you've just gone through this with the high school, haven't you? I sure have. Uh, I well, in the beginning, enjoy it, enjoy the first few years, and then you're gonna get to a certain age. You know, take the pictures. You know, get them all fired up. My dad always used to tell me, always go into school on your right side on the right foot first that was like a superstition we used to have so that was always a big thing and you know once they get into high school give them their space and leave them a fuck alone because they don't want you to take pictures and post the pictures of them for the first day of school that's <laughs> gonna go away soon at the gates <laughs> that's gonna go away soon i'm under the impression the new thing is is you take a picture before they leave and when they come home and then the come home pictures always they look like a disaster area i think that's the new uh first day of school thing yeah, how old is your son, Morocco? Is is he started like a um, preschool or anything like that at all? Not yet. So he just turned three. Right. Uh, and back in Connecticut, actually, kids can start uh, preschool at three. But here in Washington, uh, he's still a little early for that. And so um, we are gonna get him. We're looking at getting him into uh, kind of like a, a daycare kind of deal, mm. a child care with some kind of early childhood education stuff when it but um just kind of get him used to that we call it school we yeah. don't call it daycare We're taking him to school and he loves it he loves like <laughs> when uh we used to uh let's see just after he was first born like after about when he was like i think it was about eight months to a year um we started taking him to a daycare um part-time and when we would leave he he'd have that big fat lip sticking out and he was so sad <laughs> and heartbroken and it was heartbreaking. And he's like, you're leaving me with these strangers. I don't even know these people. And, uh, but the other day my wife was doing kind of like a, a, a practice run at one of these potential places. And he was like, cool. See ya. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> That's, That's good. Yeah. That's yeah. 
I think my wife is already dreading the day when the kids need to go to school or, or anything like that at all. So he's like, we've got perfectly it's, good basement. Sure. We can just lock them in there. They can't go anywhere. <laughs> really? It's going to really? suck. <laughs> it's going to suck. The first, the first few times, it is going to suck. But then, you know, not only is it good for them, but it's also get them exposed to as many goddamn germs as possible. Exactly. They're going to get oh, yeah. sick as... They're gonna, my daughter got sick all the time. We ended up... She got so many ear infections... That we had to get her ear tubes, and it was like it, it like cleared her up a hundred percent. But I mean, she doesn't get sure. that sick very often. And I, th- I feel like a lot of it has to do with those early days of preschool and daycare and school. That was like huge. Mm. So, Kyle, there you go. Hey, cuties, what's the best thing you've had in your mouth this week? Uh, give me a give, let me go second. I got to think about it. Okay, I'll, I'll start with I'll start with mine. Past so week. I was I was kidded into eating something which I didn't know what it was to begin with. So my wife and I went to deliver knives to a restaurant, and we thought we'll we'll take the babies with us. It'll be their first sort of uh, Michelin starred restaurant, and we're going to have a nice lunch with them, and you know show them you know something a bit different. So we're there now, and um, we just go for the, the the special, the special menu that they had for the day. You know, the today's special, not knowing what it was, and it came, and it was um, lamb sweetbreads. And I knew mm. sweetbreads were, you know, I don't like offal, anything like that at all. I don't really like liver, yeah. kidneys, that kind of stuff. I knew sweetbreads were in that sort of vein, but I wasn't quite sure what it was. But I ate them, and they were nice. They had the sort of texture of a of a of a, of a scallop, I suppose. That's what they tasted. Yeah, like. that's good, 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 good. Yeah, and I'm thinking sweet bread. So you know, I like sweet stuff. I like bread. I'm gonna give it a yeah. go. You know, <laughs> later realizing that I was eating lamb's nuts. Yeah. You know, <laughs> not nuts. No, it's like well, that's part of the brains. It's not nuts. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I was told it was the lamb's nuts. No fucking it's not the, the fucking oh, nuts. It's part of the brains. I've been it's wrong. Part, it's twice the hypo- about sweetbreads. <laughs> Jesus, you can tell everybody you've been eating lamb nuts. Yeah, yeah. no, <laughs> no. It's 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 part of the brain. It's it's a hypothalamus. Right. Okay. Hypocampus. Okay, uh, that doesn't feel so bad. That doesn't feel so bad then. It's better than lamb. Yeah, nuts. you weren't eating. You know, you were you weren't eating squishy nuts. No, that's good then. That's good. Okay, I'm happier. So anyway, <laughs> but yeah. As, aside from that, we, we were in this restaurant and. Um, Beautiful, beautiful stuff. But the um, <laughs> I'm not sure if you guys know what a shepherd's pie is. It's a very sort of traditional thing over here in the UK, where it's like a minced lamb yeah. and you know really rich with gravies, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but it's not the kind of thing you'd normally see in a Michelin star restaurant. You know, you know, it's it's quite a you know standard fare. Um, but they did a version of this, and it was you know, you know, poshed up a bit in it, and it was beautiful. So that's the best thing I've had in my mouth this week. It wasn't a lamb's nuts. Yeah. It was a, a very <laughs> posh shepherd's pie. You were hoping Morocco. it wasn't man, man lamb's nuts. Well, maybe I don't know what was in the shepherd's pie. Quite possibly it was shepherd's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Morocco, what have you eaten this week that's been great? Well, I've had lamb nuts in my mouth uh, when I was. In well, that was just a camping weekend. Down in Arizona at uh, the Travis Wertzhammer, and they fry up uh, sheep and bull testicles. Mm. And um, mm. everybody gobbles them down. So I had to. I had to try it. Everybody else was eating it. Yeah. Or bad. Ugh. Plenty of ketchup, hot sauce, good to go. <laughs> but uh, I think uh, what is it? Oh, I've started. I've do, been doing more uh, like live fire barbecuing. 
and just playing with it. And, you know, we just, uh, it was nothing special, but one of, one of the things I did is, uh, we have, uh, fruit trees at my in-laws. And so there's a bunch of, uh, limbs that have been trimmed down. And so I took one, like a log, a little branch that was probably a good inch and a half, almost two inches. And I had my, my, uh, briquettes and my coals banked to one side in my Weber. And then I put the, uh, the branch right next to it, let it catch fire. And then I started searing off my burgers and then move them to the, uh, off the heat. So off to the other side, cause they're banked over to one side. And then, uh, I put the lid on and then let them finish cooking by smoking them. And, um, was fucking delicious and nice. we also i warmed up the buns i i had i forgot to pull the buns out of the freezer earlier so i pulled them out and i was like shit i'll just put them in there as well um after the burgers were done give them the burgers like a couple minutes to cool down and um while the the buns were heating up and they also got smoked a little bit too which was really nice and so it was a smoky smoky barbecue burgers pretty damn yeah. tasty sounds good well, I haven't had meat in a couple months, so I uh I've been eating I've been all plant based for the past uh almost three months. Ah, a couple here and there, you know, a couple meals and whatever. But uh I was actually going over uh I was I, over at my buddy's restaurant, the Birdsell House, and uh, we're going to be doing a paella. Uh we're working out the the economics of figuring out how to do a paella for a restaurant is like a little daunting because it's like a whole big production. So he, he sent out some wings and he, what they do is they, these uh, chicken wings and they smoke them first and then they, and then to, to reconstitute them, they hit them in the fryer and they were mm. the best wings I'd ever, they were unbelievable wings. They were super smoky and, and, and very tender. And then at the end you had that kind of like rehydrated in the oil, like, you know, you fried the wings and, they were banging it, but I hadn't had meat in that long. So I ate it and I was like, this is the best goddamn thing I've had. All hmm. and It was amazing. So I'm a sucker for wings. I love How wings. did your stomach hold up with meat not having it? To no serve? problem. I was just going to say. No problem. <laughs> I thought the direction you were going is I hadn't eaten meat in a long time and I ate those ah, greasy wings. No problem. They were delicious. And then I shit my pants. <laughs> no, 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 no. Look, no, sh- no pants. I haven't shit my pants in a, in a, in a long time. If you want to hear a pants, do you want to hear a pants shitting story? Might as well go into it. I got a pants shitting story. <laughs> Who's gonna say no so, to that? No, of course not. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta downward spiral this podcast a little bit. So, I uh, one of the first jobs I had was I was a, a welder for an artist, and this is Brooklyn in the early '90s. And my buddy and I are working for this guy, and. He wasn't paying us like he he would, you know, he'd give us a reason why, you know, he was we were putting down our hours, but he wasn't paying us. And we we're like, oh, we got to And I said, my buddy, I'm like, we got to get out of here. This is guys like, you know, we're doing all this work and it was really interesting, cool work. And then a friend of his who was a welder say, come work for me. I'll pay you on time. So we were like, you know, we're 1920 and we, we had lunch with the guy who wasn't paying us. And we in Brooklyn, I got like some from a, a bodega i got some dominican beans and rice and you know it's like really greasy and it's whatever so we're sitting at the lunch area and we're my buddy and i are already preparing to you know here's you know negotiate hard either you pay us and pay us in full or we're gonna leave and i had my feet up and i felt real confident because we had this job lined up and he was like you know i was i, I said i said to him like listen you gotta pay us up in full 
or this is our last day. And I put my feet up and I started to let out a fart. <laughs> and I I shit myself <laughs> right there. Right I was so I was so confident in my in, in our decision making. I was confident in I was confident like, all right, now we have the upper hand with this guy. And then I put my feet up on the rail and all of a sudden I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> I just got poisoned. I just I lost all all my upper hand went into the my pants. Of the deal. Oh, it was the, the shot most, of the deal. It was, it was like I was like, God damn it, God! It was like the most. You're so confident, and excited, and then all of a sudden you shit your pants. You're like, that's oh, Jesus it. Christ. True story. So how, it was how, not. How, a, how did the negotiating go? We left. We left, and he didn't pay, pay us, and I had a pant, I had a pant leg full of poo. You know, it wasn't really <laughs> like... Jesus it sucked. It sucked. It sucked. That was a long Disgusting. time ago. Disgusting. So, I mean, in terms of, like, not eating meat, it's fine. I, I've, I've, I've actually lost some weight lately, and I, my wife and I are, are uh, running in this 5K for the uh, firefighters and the police, so it's been good. Oh, nice. I feel light. No good dairy, good. no all that bullshit. Good, good. What, what time are you looking for nice. for 5K? Ugh, don't ask. I used to I used to do a pretty pretty steady I was eight minute mile, a nine minute mile just for on long distance, but we ain't we're I mean my wife and I are just trying to, you know, want to have a good time and support the firefighters and the police department and be part of Peak Skill. So we're just like, you know, just make sure we're happy when we're running and not like huffing too yeah. hard. Nice. Nice. So. Okay. Community showcase. <laughs> Okay, community showcase. So we're going to run through these quite quickly. So mine this week is Mark Liss, which is Origin underscore Handcrafted. Um, and mainly because this week he put up this this story of his of his build process from sort of beginning to end on Instagram stories. And it was just, he did it really, really well. So he makes these um, chef knives. They're, they're generally sort of hidden tang, uh, wire handle style knives. Um but yeah, go and have a look. His stories are brilliant. So he did, I say, he did a story this week, and it's probably it'll be gone by the time you you hear this. But hopefully, he'll do more. And it's just his build process does it very, very well. So that's Origin underscore Handcrafted. And nice. But while we were away, Noah Vashon of Vashon Knives did a whole really awesome uh, same thing. The pro- progression stories of how he makes the knives. I love it when knife makers do that. It's really great. Yeah, yeah, very nice. Yeah, Origin's a good dude. Very cool. My showcase this week is Laren Thomas. So he is the author and researcher of KnifeSteelNerds.com, which is a blog, but he's also on Instagram at KnifeSteelNerds. Um, and so he's the son of uh, kind of Damascus-making legend Devin Thomas, who's also kind of uh, the – he's still – I think he's still – one of the big names in chef's knives um, for a long time right there alongside, you know, like Michael Rader and Bob Kramer. So his son is a, he is his doctorate in metallurgy. And um, so he's been, so the point of the blog is to basically kind of, uh, you know, write articles and do research around uh, metallurgy pertaining particularly to, uh, knife makers, goes, uh, which is deep, really helpful. He? he goes deep, deep. He, he does go yeah. deep. Some of the information is uh, still pretty scientifically worded, but it is much more accessible than any of the metallurgy books I've ever read. Um, and so, but it, it's a lot of really good information. He also has a Patreon um, 
which you can go support and what that support actually offers is it helps cover the cost of doing some of this research because sending things out to be tested and getting access to the equipment that he has access to 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 get this information put together definitely costs money i don't know if you guys have ever sent samples out to be tested but the last time i sent um steel out to be tested it just for like a chemical composition was 50 bucks for a little like half inch by half inch piece of metal and it you know took a week and it's it's just it's it's not uh it's not inexpensive for sure and and you know as, as like you said craig he goes deep with these articles he does a really good job covering the information pretty thoroughly and he does a really good job also referencing uh, a lot of his past articles, just if he mentions something that you may not be familiar with. One of the articles I most recently uh, read of his is Quenching article. Um, so if any of you have any um, kind of I feel like you're lacking an understanding of what's happening in the steel when you're quenching and, and different heat treatment processes. That might be a really good one to start with. Um, but otherwise, he does. He just I think he does a really good job. Uh, he's doing a good service for the community, and um, and I think it's a really good resource, great resource, really. Cool. He wants to come on the podcast too. I think that'd be great. He he actually reviewed our podcast at one point. He says we were mostly right. <laughs> I'm sure we'll take that. Marco is full of shit, basically. <laughs> he said we're mostly right, and I said I think mostly I wrote something like back, like uh, I'll I'll thank you, thank you for most of us, something like that. <laughs> Have uh, I wanted to give a little bit of uh, community showcase to a, a young uh, a knife maker by the name of K Foy. That's K A Y F O Y E. She's a knife maker. I think she's in the Southwest, and she does these simple, beautiful um, knives with very uh, delicate handles, and you know they're very simple. Brute to Forge style knives, and it's really great to see more women in in knife making. Uh, I know that she's uh, she. I'm looking at her knives right now. There's very simple contrasts of color and design, and she's great. And I think it's more it's very important to have people like her out there to show kind of you know uh, more diversity in what we're doing. But I think that her knives are beautiful, especially her handles are very uh, they're very stunning. Mm. K Foy, K A Y F O Y E. Nice. I shall follow. I shall follow. Okay. I think that's a show. That is All definitely right. a show. Good to be back, guys. Really good to be back. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. it. Very that's exciting it. and lots of new things coming up. Lots. Lots. We didn't have time. I didn't. <laughs> it's my fault. I didn't have time to prepare everything that I wanted to for this episode. But over the next few episodes, you're going to see a slightly different style, some new sections. Um, but keep sending in your tips and your questions because they, they form a good part of the show for us. There we go. We shall speet you very soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Nice to be back.